Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your hosts, Crystal Williams. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm joined by, well, fucking everybody. We're all here. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Everyone in this room is a whore. (laughs) Okay, my name is Ashley, but Ash for short, as I'm sure you all are aware. My pronouns are she, they, I'm Jazzy. I'm not a whore like these people. She, they. Projection. 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 Fuck off. I'm, I'm Lizzie. I disagree with, with Jazzy's uh, previous statement. Um, agree that her pronouns are she, they? That's transphobic, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you agree with my identity. That's very reassuring. <laughs> you are a very reassuring person, Lizzie. And I, my pronouns are she or he. Whichever floats our boat. Speaking yeah. of boat, Titanic. Okay. <laughs> God, that was a fucking segue. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Fuck, so- the, the, the audacity of this bitch beating me at my own game. Uh, I should just uh, let everybody listening know that before this, the entire group was bullying me, uh, and I was crying. No, she's lying. She's lying. I would never lie. Crystal's the bully. Crystal's bullying me specifically. The L in Crystal's name stands for liar. (laughs) She was bullying me because there was another movie I haven't watched. That, but even though I just spent this week watching a movie, I was getting shit for not watching. Anyway, I saw Titanic. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, she finally saw Titanic uh, with a couple friends, uh, yours truly included. And what I also saw think, Titanic. Uh, and what did you think of Titanic, Jazzy? I cried. Yes, we <laughs> 10 all out did. Of ten. We all did. If you do not cry at Titanic, you do not have a soul. So, I think the thing that appealed to me about this movie, that kind of struck me with it as I was watching it, was it does a good job at conveying the emotions that were definitely present at all the stages of the journey of for Titanic's maiden voyage. Like, the wonder of the ship, the sights to be, like, the, how cool the sights are. Like, just the thrill of it, and then all the fucking emotions that were going on, like, in the events leading up to the sinking and finally it actually fucking sinking yeah it's it's quite a journey like it, it sinks almost in real time too like the real ship took around uh like three hours to sink hmm. a little bit less than that a little bit less than that yeah under which, three hours which is funny because the movie's three hours long ah funny joke <laughs> Oh, why did it take three hours for the boat to sink? It did take three hours for the fucking boat to sink. <sighs> That's another thing. I, I know people complain about the length, but I'm going to be blunt. I This was like, if people did, thought, like, this was too much, they need to not watch three-hour movies. That's the, yeah. that's the, like, this is one of the most, this is one of the few movies I can think of that had a three-hour runtime where I did not feel it. Like, it's a three-hour movie that feels like two hours. It 
breezes by. It uses its time. I saw that this was after the movie got a re-release, I, I, and I and I was so mad. I was argue, like yelling at this person so aggressively on Twitter. There was person specifically complaining that it was too long, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck. What what would you take out of this movie? That's Nothing. the thing. That's why the that's why the three hour runtime didn't bother me. All the scenes were necessary. Like you can't cut out a scene from this movie. It is. It used all it, it uses time wisely. The first half is basically a Romeo and Juliet esque romance um, going on, and then the, la- the last half is a fucking disaster movie. So, and it uses it, it well. It I didn't. Uses it really does so well. Paced so well. The framing device helps a lot. The framing device is a really great job because we don't leave, we don't go back to it very much, but we do at choice moments that feels like it's breaking up the story really, really well. By the way, Lizzie, as a resident Titanic fan, super fan, can you guess where I fucking cried at this movie? Uh, was it, was it, um, when the Irish mom was telling her kids a bedtime story? No, but that struck my heart pretty bad. That's the part that breaks me. Um, was it before or after? Uh, after that scene. After was it was it the old people cuddling in bed? That also hit me, but that didn't make me cry. How about the musicians playing their final? That also hit me, but I didn't cry. Yeah, uh, that was nearer my god to you. The last one played on the Titanic. That's real. That's the wildest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was the last song they ever played on the Titanic. Oof. Your life. Oof. No, no. And that's the crazy thing to think about. Like, all the fictional characters and dramatizations aside, that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. This is such the reason, like you were saying, and we'll get back to your guessing game in just a sec, Jazzy. I just want to um, make this point really quick. Like you're saying how, like, the mood works because it captures the mood of the event so well. Like, yeah, this is a big, like, like big melodrama because the sinking of that Titanic was melodramatic as fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the largest moving vessel ever created at the, at the time of its construction. It was its maiden voyage. It was billed as the ship that couldn't sink. And she sunk. And it was the captain's last job before he was to retire. (laughs) All of these facts are true. All of this is real. That is wild. (laughs) Speaking of the captain, I just have to mention... um, the fact that Bernard Hill plays the captain in this movie was a bit distracting to me. And this isn't a problem with the movie. This is not something I hold against the movie. But it was a bit distracting to me because every scene he was in, I, could, I couldn't I could unsee King Theoden from the Lord of the Rings film, so. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the other day, uh, Lizzie tweeted about uh, one of the scenes towards the end. Uh, and this is her tweet. They both could have fit on the floating raft. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Have an original thought just one time in your life. Well, like, like the, the thing that struck me, the thing I didn't know going, so I always knew that was the complaint going in, but I always figured, wait, but like, what about buoyancy? Like, they couldn't, I don't, like, I don't think the problem is that they both couldn't fit on the space. I just think it'd be too heavy at that point. That's what I thought. Like, oh, I, I guess, thought. Yes, the fuck what? <laughs> 
and I was right. That's the thing. I was right. There was, like, there was, like, like the buoyancy was too much, because they tried it, and guess what fucking happened? So, um, something interesting. I watched the 25th anniversary National Geographic special. They just did, uh, testing some of the things in it. Um, including, it te- had three major tests. The test was whether or not the 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 ship could sink in the way that it showed in the film uh using a model they tested whether or not it'd be fast enough to lower let's just say if they had all the the lifeboat you know everything how fast that they would have been able to under the time constraint they had to save at least more people potentially in addition to testing whether or not how well cutting the ropes with like knives like pocket knives like that would actually lower those boats but the third test was obviously the biggest one was the test of if they both could fit on that door and so they they went to i think it was in new zealand and there was an expert on like like cold and so they had people dressed up like both of them and had them get in water until that they were about like as cold body temperature realistically as they would be and then try to do going on the door. And what's fascinating is there there is a small, tiny, tiny potential that maybe they both could have fit. What was really interesting was was the guy was the guy who was doing Jack in that experiment um, was shaking violently. But his shaking violently of being that cold actually was weirdly enough was stabilizing the both of them on top of. That door. Okay, that's okay. interesting, but now, who gives consider, a fuck? Let's consider. Let's consider. I'm not, I'm, um, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not. You keep trying to get both of you on that fucking door, and then you lose your only flotation device, and you're about to fucking die, and it's three in the goddamn morning, and you've been running around to try from, like, a madman with a gun for two goddamn hours? Yeah, uh, um, and also think, think yeah. about this. Are, I keep in fucking experimenting. Yeah, think about this. No, no, I, I agree. I just, I just, they even said that, that it was probably unlikely, but I still think that's a really interesting sort of conclusion that they, they were able to, to draw from it. They even had the, the people, like, do what Jack did in the movie, punch, punch, like, pretend to punch a man in the, in the face in the water while swimming around. I think they made a really solid experiment. It was really interesting. I didn't realize that the shaking of someone's body could actually potentially be a way to stabilize both of them on that. I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, but, and I think that that's a really fun experiment. But it's so obnoxious. It's, a, it's an obnoxious complete. First of all, I have the same issue when people talk about horror movies a lot of the time. And not always. Sometimes people really are just being complete fucking morons in horror movies. But like a lot of the time, it's just this, this fucking obnoxious, I'm built different, 2020, I'm the audience vision. <laughs> right. Like, well, if I were in this situation, no, you wouldn't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, I also want to point out that in the movie, uh, there was a moon in the sky at night, but in real life, it was a new moon that night, so they were in complete darkness. Oh, God, that's even mm. worse. Yeah, that's scarier, isn't they- it? The um, other test I want to quickly bring up was that they actually was about whether or not the boat could sink in the same way that it did. So basically, they determined that not really realistically could it do the scene where 
you know how it falls back on top of people? Yeah. Like, it can't both go straight up, down sinking, and fall back in the water in that same manner. Like, both scenarios wouldn't have happened for... So the, they were concluded that the movie was wrong in that depiction. So either it would have to go straight up and down, or it would have had to fallen back and then sunk down, like, sort of sideways. So... That's neat. It's I'm just cool. it's doesn't make it a worse movie by by circumstance. It's just yeah. like interesting. So you know? this is also based on a projection at the time because the wreckage of the Titanic had only recently been rediscovered. Mm-hmm. The movie came out right um, about like ten so, prior, I think. Yeah, they had to do a lot of uh, there was a lot of, like there was a lot of new speculation specifically in the wake of that about exactly how the ship sank. Because the wreckage implied something very different than what had been assumed up until that point. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not a criticism of the film. It's just really interesting to... to, It's neat, for sure. Yeah, I just... I I thought... In this conversation about a real event that happened to real people... um, Because that's what I was thinking of when I was watching it for the first time. um, That what hit me most was... The fact that this happened to people in this way, in such a violent and horrific mass casualty, you know. Um, Around 1,500 people that died on Titanic. That's what got me more. I mean, obviously the story between Jack and Rose is moving and powerful, but to me it it wasn't nearly as powerful as the the fact that it it happened to real people. So. What? When did you cry? You need to guess. Fuck you. <laughs> well, the scene that we were discussing in length. How about that? Uh, which scene? Uh, the when, when you, Jack no, no, no. You don't get to guess. You were there, Ash. Fuck you. Did well, you not cry until I'll never let go? Correct. Never let go. <laughs> how? Okay. Look, I. Look, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, and I'm going to get a bit personal for a second. It's hard for me to cry at things is the thing that needs to be understood. Like, it, it, and, and it's mainly comes from the fact that I was born in a household that assumed I was the gender I was assigned at birth and was very heteronormative in that regard. So. Boys don't cry type of bullshit. Yeah. So basically. It takes a lot to get me to cry, and it's something I hate. It's something I genuinely hate about myself, like the fact that I, it's hard for me to. So the thing about don't let, let don't ever let go. Why I cried there is because everything else was building up to it. Like every fucking sad moment in this movie was like another fucking knife. <laughs> that was. Yeah. So like death by a thousand cuts for you. Mm-hmm. And the, not only, not only the I'll never let go, but the actual last scene in the movie, both those made me cry. Like, but. Isn't it fucking perfect, the last scene of this movie? It is. It is. It's 100%. Um, but Don't Ever Let Go was the point where I couldn't take it, and my every, the wall that I often have in front of myself emotionally broke down, and I was 
fuck. I wasn't just crying. I was weeping to the point where people who were watching it with me in the Discord call could hear me. Like, oh. yeah, and like, yeah, I am a witness, and I was crying at that moment too. <laughs> like that that moment never fails to make me cry. Like, like I said, you gotta understand. There's a lot of movies that will get me a little teary, but I won't cry. Like, um, I was watching Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, for the billionth fucking time with my roommates last night. And I know, like, that movie makes them cry, but, like, I get a little teary, but I don't, like, outright cry at it, just because, I don't know. Maybe that one has the advantage that I know it's going to end fine, not with Titanic, where it's all going to shit, like. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know. Maybe that's another thing. I guess I was just so invested in the relationship between the two characters, and also, um... This is going to sound cheesy. Um, This is going to sound cheesy. <laughs> Rose reminded me of my girlfriend. <laughs> so when she's sad, I'm sad. Like That like, is, yes. So there was kind of projection that happened, like involuntary projection going on that made me lose it. <laughs> Very sweet. I know it, it. It's beautiful. It really is. Um. So, like, yes. So everything that was happening, all the different shit that was going on, that was based on real life events. That made me sad. Don't get me wrong. And I was a bit teary during those bits. It's mm-hmm. the fucking don't let go, which is the culmination of everything. Of and everything. He, like, and um, and it's funny because I watched not too long after watching it. I watched um. Lindsay Ellis's old video essay on the um on the movie, which I thought yeah. was great. Yeah, I agree. And how she kind of pointed out how Jack sacrificing himself so that Rose can be on the thing to float and make it is kind of this culmination of what the Titanic was, like this idea of self-sacrifice and you know people giving up their spot on lifeboats to save their significant others. So. Well, cause, and I, and you watched the video, so you heard this information too, cause she, I'm pretty sure she mentioned it in there. But, um, it wasn't like, it was extremely uncommon for women and children to survive shipwrecks. Right, right. So, the, so Titanic is something of a miracle in that regard. Yeah. So. Have perception otherwise, but women and children first was not like a law, and it was rarely, it was like chivalry, and it was rarely followed. Um, so the fact that so many, women and children survived this specific um, incident speaks to a great deal of sacrifice and heroism on the part of the other people on the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, those were most of the survivors, you know, women and children, very, barely any men survived. Also, I want to list some things that I heard as criticisms going into this movie that I just flat out disagreed with. And keep in mind, I was kind of going into this movie rather neutral. I wasn't expecting to go one way or the other with it. So this is just the perspective of a critical asshat that likes this movie. Okay, let's go. Um, movie's too long. No, it's not. It's as long as it needed to be, honestly. like. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it, it, it uses its time very well, very efficiently. It's paced in a way that you do not feel the runtime at all. It's perfect. 
Uh, Leo's performance was bad. No, it really wasn't. It was actually quite good. Like, it wasn't. Leo's fantastic. He's hitting the exact note that he needs to. It's, like, really thematically important that only Rose is a full three-dimensional person. Right. Uh, he, Billy, he Billy was, Zane is too cartoony. I vehemently disagree with this one, actually. As a, as an abuse victim, Billy Zane scared me. Like, like, and the thing that was scary about Billy Zane is that he was, like, the only time you really saw him get, like, fucking horrible was, like, behind closed doors was the thing. Which is very real, you know? It's a very, yes. So, like, so yeah. it made the scenes where he got, like, super abusive kind of scary, so. Absolutely. And he was phenomenal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. don't get I don't get what's cartoony about this performance unless we're unless people subconsciously confuses him for the Duke from Moulin Rouge. But well, it's people not um like because it is mellow. It's a melodramatic performance because the film is a melodrama, and there are people who just fundamentally do not understand what that is. Hmm. Like, yes, there were a couple lines where I thought he was a bit over the top, but no more over the top than the typical melodrama usually calls for, so. Well, exactly. Like, it's, like, again, back to the thing I said about Jack. Like, there, it's actually really important that the only th- fully three-dimensional person in this story is Rose, because Rose is the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is her recollection and story about her experience on this ship and her experience of the situation. But also, like, there's... People, everyone's acting at 10 because mm-hmm. it's melodrama. That doesn't make it un-quote-unquote realistic. Right. Um, another one I heard, um, the complaint of focusing on fictional characters instead of the real-life ones. I actually think this adds a bit of suspense when the characters are in danger since they are fictional because we, we know what happens to the people who existed. We don't know what happens to these characters you're writing in. So, Right. Except th- Rose, because, like, we, she's the framing device, so. I think that's a ridiculous um, criticism for a, for a handful of reasons. First of all, if you're going to do a historical fiction, you should, I, I would actually advise fake people. Right, like, here's the thing. Titanic's not a biopic is the thing, and I think that's what this complaint comes with. The, like, the people who have this complaint assume it's not a biopic. Like, it is historical fiction, and there's a fine line between the two. Um, and also, there's a mix, and I think I mentioned this the last time we talked about Titanic, but there, for the most part, the way that the real people are depicted in this story is, lar- like, is very, is, is fair and largely accurate. And in the case, I think, especially of, like, the captain and the, um, architect, I don't know if that's what they call it when it's for a ship, but the guy who designed the ship, mm-hmm. um, I think are excellent. Um, the only thing is that one um, lieutenant that, that shoots himself. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that, that was that's no. That person, and he did not actually do those things. He actually, according to the reports we do have about his behavior on the ship during the sinking, is he actually managed his section of the evacuation very, very well. Um, that wasn't cool. And you run it, but I understand why why James Cameron wanted to do that though, because that's much that's a much more dramatic thing, and he could have solved that by making up a fake lieutenant. Yeah, just make up a fake dude. You're making up plenty fake of fake people dude. already, dude. Like, so like, 
that's why that critique is, is bad and stupid, because if you try too hard to incorporate as many real people into the narrative as possible, sometimes you end up with shit like that. Right, right. And, yeah, so, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like people who make that complaint don't know what historical fiction is, so. Probably not. Um, and it's not as if, like, all historical fiction is mean from criticism in that regard. No, 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 no. I think the problem with, uh, Pearl Harbor, by contrast, from what I'm aware of it, because I haven't seen that fully, because I don't have three hours to spend on garbage Michael Bay movies. Um, the three hours does not fly by with Pearl Harbor, I'll tell right, you that. Right, right. But from what I'm aware, from what I've seen, the problem I noticed with that movie is that the characters that are made for the story, the fictional characters, are all fucking boring, so. Yeah, and also, um, <laughs> Michael Bay is a prick, a prick racist fuckhead who yeah. has the Japanese um, kamikaze pilots bombing hospitals, a thing that did not happen. Right, because the target was the ships, so. The target was the ships. It wasn't even the soldiers, because they were mainly targeting uninhabited ships. Mm -hmm. At a time of day when the soldiers would have been, when most of the, most of the sailors, rather, would have been on, on shore. Mm -hmm. We're not targeting hospitals, and that was that. That's such a historical jingoistic racist nonsense. Wait, wait, wait! Michael Bay's jingoistic. Stop the fucking presses. <laughs> um, it's just a specific thing that really pisses me off about that movie. I could forgive it. Like it would just be a mediocre Titanic ripoff, and I really wouldn't care that much. But I'm I'm also very insulted about people in the Navy. A lot of people couldn't swim in the 1940s. That's true. But I'm very insulted. They make you learn how to swim in the Navy. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you wouldn't drown, but they made you learn how to swim when you enlisted into the Navy. The idea... <laughs> uh, they're just... I don't know. Those two things uh, piss me the fuck off. But um, back What pisses me off is the fact that Pearl Harbor is an Oscar-winning movie. Oh, God. What, what did it win? Cinematography? That's no, 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 not cinematography. Best sound editing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, fair. Like, from, gonna, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I haven't revisited it enough to from, be like, oh, it was great. But I, from I, what I can tell, the technical aspects of the movie are the only things that ever got praised. So, yeah, uh, it is the only Michael Bay movie to ever win an Oscar. And it's one too many. Fuck it. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, uh, last last thing that people complain about that we – I'll just keep briefs as we went on tired about it. The door. I'm going to keep this simple. They tried to go – both go on the door, but they couldn't, and I don't think they could – They and they didn't have the time to think of another solution. I don't care if they did test. The movie's internal logic says door can fit one, and that's fine. Yeah, this that was the subject of much debate for 25 years, and I'm sick of it. It also goes back to a way of watching movies I deeply dislike, which is, is um, the same vibe of, oh, Romeo and Juliet fell in love at first sight. Like, a refusal to accept the terms of the story that's being told to you. So basically cinema sense. Yeah, I don't like that shit. It's the least, and I think nitpicking can be fun, um, and I think that a joke here and there can be fun. Oh, yeah, but, look, like, I can snark my way through my favorite movie, so. Like. But there's a just certain point where it's like, I, can you, like, you need to, like, let yourself be in a certain mindset 
to absorb fiction. Reminds me of a lot of the bad faith criticism I heard over the years of Beauty and the Beast, which is one of my favorites. So. Oh God. Well, yeah, it's like the um the opening of John Cocteau's La Belle at the Bec, um has this wonderful little um writ like um opening written piece that it, it's in French, but it basically asks the audience to um go back to the minds of children, one that believes in magic and love at first sight. And like, 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 it's this beautiful thing about like, like, accept the, they're basically saying, shut up and accept that it's, accept that it's a fairy tale. Like, don't come here asking me a bunch of questions about how the arms work, and and why did he turn into a beast, and how did the be- like, how does this work? Don't come asking me that. It's Can I just have a mini rant for a second in regards to Beauty and the Beast and nitpicking? Yeah. I always hear people say all the time, it's like, wow, the Enchantress cursed the prince when he was 11 years old. Wow, that's fucking terrible. The Enchantress is horrible. Plot hole. And I'm like, here's an idea. The movie's not saying the Enchantress is a good person. The movie never says that. It just tells you what the Enchantress did and and what the conflict is. I have two things on that. One, I don't know why everyone assumes he had to be 11. He could have been 21 and, like, mentally frozen in time. I don't know why that's a difficult concept to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's always, always my whole life been my assumption. I never thought that she turned him when he was 11. I didn't either, and- but uh, people – but even if he, she did, the movie's never saying, like, the, like the Enchantress is a good person for doing this. It's just saying what she did because the Enchantress is not a character in this movie. Well, at all, yes, and also, like, my, to my next point – like people, and this is largely because of Disney themselves, but people seem to have people have a very um friendly notion of the fae. Mm-hmm. That uh, no, fae creatures in the folklore that these fairy tales are based on are not kind. They're not necessarily evil per se either. They kind of operate right. on their own sense of morality. But like, you're not like the fae, the fae are not your friends. Right? No, 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 no. It's like. But yeah, like I said, the, the the Enchantress wasn't a character in the movie. She was just a catalyst in the backstory for why the Beast is the Beast and why he needs to find love and be loved in return. So, yeah. And then the fucking remake made the Enchantress a character, which made that problem worse. Mm-hmm. Well, we all can agree that the, the remake is far superior to the original in no! every conceivable way. It's Do just not a joke masterpiece. About that, Crystal. I will have words. Joking? Who's joking? It's a masterpiece. Fuck you. Luke Evans was fun. He was. The movie was shit, though. Yeah. Kevin Klein as Maurice was okay. He was. The movie was shit, I though. Did, I did like the remake's version of Maurice. Yeah, I did too. I did like just sincerely and unironically. I liked it. I thought yeah. it, I thought it was sweeter. Um, I here here's my thing with Maurice. I think Kevin Klein's interpretation is good, but I also think it loses a bit of the charm. Like one of my favorite aspects of the original movie is that when Maurice sees the servants for the first time, he's not frightened. He's just utterly fascinated by them, and I love that. <laughs> Make him a normal dude and freaking out over these things, and it's not as interesting to me. So, um, uh, I also, the other thing, the third thing I like um, in the Beauty and the Beast remake is the very, very end of the movie when the Beast and the Belle, the human, the human version of the Beast and Belle are dancing and the Beast growls. I don't know. 
I always thought that was cute. I was like, ha, that's nice. He can still, he's, ha. <laughs> I probably didn't notice that because I was still annoyed with how much they did the beast dirty in that movie. Fair enough. I also like, I don't know, I liked it, uh, okay. I don't like the way they wrote the beast for Dan Stevens. I thought Dan Stevens did a good, gave a good performance. Does that make sense? That makes uh, Dan sense. Stevens is a good actor. Dan Stevens is a good actor. I think he was kind of held back a bit with Beauty and the Beast. If that makes sense, because I've seen him in other stuff, and he and and his performance in other um in other things I've seen him in are just infinitely better. So yeah, Dan, like I I like I liked Dan Stevens, and I liked that he was cast as the Beast. But like the way they wrote the Beast in that movie, abysmal. Oh, horrible! Like awful. Hate it. You ruined my boyfriend. <laughs> I didn't know he was yours. Uh, congratulations, I guess. No, because he was my boyfriend. I was very little. I was in love with Belle and the Beast ever since I was a kid. They were always my favorites. I loved the Beast so much. You know what? Same, and I should have realized I was bisexual then. <laughs> uh, he was just my favorite, favorite, favorite. I loved him so much. Um, because you know what? he Because he's sweet and almost kind. Yes. I know. Anyway, all of this to say, Titanic good, original Beauty and the Beast good, remake Beauty and the Beast shit. Better. Yeah. No, no Crystal, fuck you. Fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, another movie I saw at the behest of Lizzie and Crystal is The Wachowskis' Bound. And Chaz, I love it. Chazzy, you need to see it. I'm aware yes, I need to see it. it. Yeah, I'm not I, I, I feel like I can't be a self-respecting gay until I see it. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's correct. So, okay. So I, I came for the lesbian sex. I stayed for the mafia story. I thought you were going to say, I, I, I stayed for the no, lesbian I, I sex. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. Fuck. <laughs> no. Okay. No, no, no. I, I was about to make a joke, but it wasn't that. Like, when Ash said, I came for the lesbian sex, I, I was about to say, oh, they did. Oh, they did, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know. I, I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, I said this in my review and on Letterboxd, but there are multiple scenes in this movie that made my palms sweat because the tension was just unbearable. It's a very tense crime thriller with lesbian sex. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, <laughs> it, I love Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly in this movie. So... You have to tell me, is Seed of Chucky correct when they say that yes. uh, Gina Gershon fingers? Yeah, <laughs> Gina Gershon did finger her very much. Oh, okay, good. Seed of Chucky did something oh. right. Okay. <laughs> okay, but... Are you about Seed of Chucky right now? Seed of Chucky did most things right. <laughs> I don't like Seed of Chucky, but anyway, continue. Yeah, but... Yeah, but the thing is, it wasn't just fingering... <laughs> Oh, they had lots of sex. Oh, probably one of the best sex scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. Yes. I was discussing with this with uh, with Lizzie. We were talking about this on Twitter, but um, I'm I'm 100 percent certain that I learned that the film had a lesbian intimacy uh, sort of coordinator. Uh, I think it's it's I think it's it's labeled something else in the credits, but yes, they had someone who uh, who knew what they were doing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining someone being on a film set as a professional lesbian. 
in the nineties. In the nineties. You know, Lizzie was saying on Twitter that, like, you know, people back then were like, wow, I can't believe this was made by men. Well, it wasn't. I can't believe two straight men made this movie. No. Oh. <laughs> You're oh. right. I can't believe it either. And then and it turned out not to, <laughs> not to be. The only time a straight man has made a lesbian movie that turned out very well, from my perspective, is The Handmaiden. But that's just me. Right. I also brought up... I also brought up to Crystal and Lizzie that erotic thrillers need to make a comeback. A comeback? Yes, a comeback. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and for the record, <sighs> yes, I meant it dirty that time. I'm sure oh, hey, that works. Blood. But I, I am serious. Like, I do not see movies like this anymore. No, because they don't exist anymore. Um, and there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, Hollywood is scared of having sex in their movies. Just in general, movies are very sexless nowadays. Um. Wait, I, I thought, I thought according to all the, uh, the Gen Z kids, there's way too much sex in movies now. Uh, sex. Oh my god. These kids watched the first season of Game of Thrones with their parents one time. <laughs> Yeah, like they saw movies. What shows? fucking movies are they watching where they think, "Oh, too much sex." They saw a booby once and almost had a heart attack. Well, there is tons of sex in TV shows. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm trying to think. The last time I saw a movie with a very, very fucking explicit sex scene, I'm trying to think, and I could be wrong, but the most recent movie I could think of was the first Deadpool. Like, <laughs> yeah, or, maybe. Or how, about, <laughs> how about a Team America World Police? Okay, fuck off with that. <laughs> but fun fun fact about Team America World Police, uh the uh, Matt and Trey specifically made that sex scene so gross and over the top intentionally so that they could get a note from the MPAA about the NC-17 rating so that they could cut it back because they didn't want to have that much anyway to begin with. So they did it so they could get more things in other scenes, essentially, like, go through. It was, They wanted to make it such a huge distraction so that they can make everything that they wanted in the in the theatrical cut. Yeah, Beautiful. I know that. That is hilarious. Beautiful. <laughs> exactly what Hitchcock was um, was doing with a lot, a lot of his movies, but primarily Psycho. Um <laughs> Is he intentionally made a bunch of extra upsetting things so that he could quote unquote bargain with the um with the review board to let him keep in certain frames of the stabbing and it's um, a it's a pretty smart um smart, <laughs> it's a pretty smart bargaining chip i i was watching i've been watching a uh they have a seven hour documentary about the making of all the Friday the thirteenth films uh it's called Crystal Lake Memories and I just watched on part five and they essentially talked about that the sex scene in that film was longer, but because that one again did the same thing was such a us sticking out for the MPAA, that film got away with a little bit more violence than some of the other films in the series. So so, yeah. For what it's worth, it's not a great movie. It's just a, it's just an interesting tidbit. <laughs> but Bound is a great movie, and Bound yeah. is a great movie. Yes. You know what else is a great movie that I rewatched recently? Uh, 
Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I I haven't seen that one in a while. I watched it for the first time last week. Look, look. I'm such a bitch for Moulin Rouge. I fucking love that movie. Look, I just have to say, I was debating if I should get the Blu-ray for it while I was first doing my rewatch. I ordered it the minute the the movie's version of Your Song played because I loved that number so much, so... That is the best part of the whole movie. I absolutely agree. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Ewan McGregor in this movie. Okay, here's the thing. I have I have two genders. I I I simultaneously want to be Gina Gershon and Bound, and um, Ewan McGregor in uh, Moulin Rouge. Aww. Those are those are the. But that is that is what I want to be more than anything else in the world. So you want to be Gina McGregor? Gina McGregor. Yeah. The thing I loved about well, this movie well, is it was unashamedly campy. Oh yeah. That, and that can I just has a knack? Can I just say? Can I just say that while I was watching it, flashes of a certain review of that movie came into my mind, and I got no, pissed no, off. No, 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 no. No nostalgia critic. So um, well, I wasn't gonna say the name until you fucking said it. But everyone knows what you're talking about. No, it could be Movie Bro 69's review of. <laughs> no, no, we all knew what you were talking about. Fucking Doug, who is physically incapable of understanding anything except for things Taylor made for him. Pretty much, yeah. So there was that, there was his review of Sailor Moon, and then there was his review of The Wall. Don't fucking talk to me about his Sailor Moon video. <laughs> I have words for that one. You don't understand why Nicole Kidman got an Oscar nomination for this movie, really? You're Are great. You so I, this was my first time watching the movie, and uh, I enjoyed it, but I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't like it as much as you two did. But you have well, the right to your incorrect opinion. I think the performances are phenomenal. I unfortunately found that the pace dragged in the middle. Uh, picked I up at the end, but I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. But I remember liking it. I think. So. Well, just know that Crystal is wrong about the pacing, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I am factually correct in my opinion. Okay. I disagree with you about the pacing, Crystal. That being said, I'm going to put my little disclaimer here. Um, I don't – it's not shocking. Like, Moulin Rouge is a very is – a, a, as is all Baz Luhrmann, is a, is a very specific thing. And if it doesn't click with you, if you don't watch it and you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Then it doesn't. Then it then it then it then it doesn't really hit for you. And I understand. Like, no, no, no. I, I I I get it. I was just fucking with Crystal. Don't worry. Yeah. Like no, I no. said, I do, I actually liked a lot of it. I think the performance is phenomenal. I really do like a lot of the um, popular music reinstrumentation of like those songs. I think is really fascinating. Um, I think I really like the high energy like opening and the extremely dramatic ending. The 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 middle section for me just finds like it it it. It starts off at a 10 energy-wise, and I was really enjoying that. And then it kind of, like, goes, goes like, it just, it, it leans into, like, sort of, like, 
I don't know. It just, it's hard to explain in words. I'm having I, I liked how deliberate the editing was because it starts off fast and frantic, kind of matching with Christian's, like, mood in the, in the movie. But as it goes on and we get closer to the inevitable tragedy, which is established at the beginning of the movie with, um, Satine's death, it slows down. Like, it intentionally gets slower as the film goes on. I can understand the perspective. I still liked it. I'm not saying it's bad in any way. It just, I just didn't click where I was like, I adore this movie. It didn't, it didn't have a, a type If anything, I thought the beginning was the weakest part. If, if anything, I thought the beginning was actually the weakest part of the movie because while I understand the frantic editing, there were some choices during that frantic editing where I felt it got a bit of a headache, so. I can understand that too. Um, I want to see the stage production. I heard it's all right. Oh, I've seen it. It's very good. That seems cool. Very fun. I had a very fun time with it. I recommend the soundtrack. I really, really, really love um, their version of Chandelier. Um, They did a bunch of new songs. They they incorporated a bunch of more recent songs. Um, I love their version of Chandelier. My favorite is their mashup of... um, uh, Bad Romance and Toxic by Britney Spears. Awesome. That's very, very fun. Like, it's, it's all on Spotify. Um, uh, their version of our song, also, it's not as good as Ewan McGregor because, like, nothing's ever gonna. I, I honestly like this movie's version of our song, of your song. That was my favorite scene in the movie. That's, that was my favorite scene in the movie. I, I honestly like this version of your song almost more than Elton John's original version, which is. That's, that's interesting. Ever. I also like it. I like it way more than Elton John. Like, I already love the Elton John version, the original. I think this was better. Like, like no hesitation. I thought it was better. I still need I'm more preferential to Elton John, but I still liked it. <laughs> um, they also have a Shut Up and Dance With Me. That one's really, really fun. That's a good time. Like, the, the new songs, I really, really like the way they incorporated them in. They did something super new and different. Um, so if the stage, like, I recommend it. If the stage show is coming to your area and you've got the money and the time to, to drop on it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an excellent use of, use of those things, I think. Bold of you to assume I have money. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I, uh, I'm not trying to seg, I'm having trouble segueing, but I think there's another thing that I think I wanted to, I think we should, we should discuss. Um, yeah. The Oscars. Yes. Oh. So, yes, I was very happy with most of the recipients this year. So let's go through them one by one, shall we? Cool. First off, visual effects. Avatar The Way of Water. Okay, that that one was Fine. We all knew that was going to happen. Best film editing. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Fuck yeah! Naturally. Like, if it wasn't going to go to that, then it probably would have gone to Elvis if it wasn't that. Because, again, that's... Another Baz Luhrmann. Master at work. Anyway, uh, costume design. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, no surprise there. Uh, I wanted it to go to everything everywhere because of Jobu Tabaki, but... Yeah, we're kind Honestly, of. Honestly, I'll be blunt. Jobu Tapaki's entire cost, entire array of costumes, absolutely shits on Wakanda forever. But that's just me. All right, makeup and hairstyling. Uh, the whale. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I can see I, that. 
I, 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 I get that, but yeah, Lizzie, I, I know you have issues, and they are completely valid. Uh, yeah. Let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on. Uh, best cinematography, All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Uh, I concur. Best production design, All Quiet on the Western Front. It should have gone to Babylon, but... I, don't know. I still haven't seen Babylon, so I cannot speak. Uh, uh, I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but I feel like ba- Babylon should have won this award. Uh, best sound, Top Gun Maverick. Cool. Yeah. Fine. Good. I I wanted Batman to win at least one thing, but whatever. But they need <laughs> to give it to they need to give it to the stupid jingoistic movie that has no business being nominated for Best Picture. I, I I like Top Gun Maverick, but yes, it is military propaganda through. I like the movie fine. I just I, when I saw it was nominated for Best Picture, my first response was "fucking really." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they should have replaced Avatar: The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and Nope. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. The fact that Nope didn't get nominated for anything is fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah that is bullshit. Should have at least nominated it for sound. Like, come on. Anyway, uh, original song, Not To Not To from RRR. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. You you all still need to see RRR because it is a masterpiece. I have uh, to make time to watch a three-hour movie. Uh, anyway, uh, best original score. This one surprised me. I thought for sure it was going to go to Babylon. But no, they gave it to All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. I haven't seen Babylon yet, so I can't. I haven't seen Babylon. I haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front, so I have no opinion. I have listened to some of the score of Babylon, and Justin Hurwitz needs an Oscar because his score for Whiplash was God Tier, and it wasn't even nominated, and now he was snubbed again. So, whatever. On the list, on the list. Okay, uh, I'm skipping all the documentary stuff because neither. Um, let's be real, none of us have seen them. No. How dare you assume that of me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> have you seen a house made of splinters? Yes, and the splinters fucking hurt, Ash. Thank you for asking. Have you seen all the beauty and the bloodshed? Yes, it was beautiful and and had a little bloodshed. Uh, okay, didn't think so. Uh. <laughs> Have you seen an Irish goodbye? Yeah, I've been to oh, Ireland sorry. and they wish me goodbye. No. Yeah. No, none of us did. All right. Uh, no, I, I've been to Ireland. I'm in the corner. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not revealing shit about myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. International feature film. Yeah, that was given that it would go to All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, animated feature film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I personally was pulling for Puss in Boots The Last Wish, but yeah, this, th- is, this one deserved it too. This is a I case, was, this is a rare case where I would have been happy with no matter the winner. My personal best was Marcel, but I am happy it went to Pinocchio regardless. So, And that, yeah, and that del Toro went on that stage and said, animation is not a fucking genre. Well, not in the, in those words, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro gives the best speech every time he wins. Absolutely. He has won three times so far. And he's deserved everyone. He is my love. He is my... Jazzy still needs to see Shape of Water, though. I do. (gasps) Yes. Don't. Jazzy. Don't. Don't. 
<laughs> yes, but yes, Shape of Water is really good and really sweet, and you should see it. Anyway, okay. uh, adapted screenplay, women talking, and that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> Damn, I can't believe we won an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> Should I start every episode of Gals and Geekdom with Oscar award winning? Uh, if you want to, I mean, it's your podcast. Okay. Uh, okay, but yeah, I need to see it. I heard great things about it. Uh, original screenplay. Who do you think that went to? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yay! I watched it live. <laughs> Morbius. Morbius, yes. Morbius, yes. Yeah, Morbius. Morbius. All right. Uh, okay, on to the acting categories. Best Supporting Actress, Jamie Lee Curtis. I was surprised to hear that. Okay, do we like, want to get... I'm not angry about it. I have some opinions. I have some opinions. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I know. You were tweeting about it a lot, but go ahead, Lizzie. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, it's unnecessary. <laughs> well, you you were tweeting about it a lot, were you not? Yes, because I have okay. Let's be super. Let's all be super clear and super fair. Jamie Lee Curtis shouldn't even have been nominated for this category, right? No. We can all agree on that. We can all agree that no serious person walked out of everything, everywhere, all at once. And between Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Shu was like, oh yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis stole the show. Like we can all we can all be super super fucking honest about that. Yeah, I thought she was yeah. great, and I thought both earned their nominations. I'm just gonna put it. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Like I thought they both did very well in the yeah, movie. Yeah, they were both. And I, I, I think we, and I think and I think um Curtis definitely earned her nomination just on the virtue of being able to keep a straight face while doing a romance scene with Michelle Yeoh with hot dog fingers. Just saying. But Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, like, she got this nomination. And I, I also, in general, I think it's a bad idea on the part of the studio to put up more than one actress in the same category. I would almost always say that that's a bad idea because it leads to... Really, that's a vote splitter. That's a vote splitter. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, like, we're going to start also with, like, you're right, Jamie Lee Curtis's performance in the movie was still really good. It was, yeah. There are people saying that she wasn't, that she, oh, she didn't do anything amazing, like, oh, she that was That was my uh, problem, where I'm seeing people suddenly go, um, not only did Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis not deserve it, which I can understand being disappointed, they're also saying that actually... Uh, she she's not she's not a good actress at all, and actually she's never had a performance that, uh, like Stephanie Sue outperformed her in every movie that Jamie Lee Curtis has ever been in. Okay, uh, right, that's 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 where I have problems. It's just like it's fine to be disappointed in this win. I understand if people are personally also Jamie's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but she did good. She earned her nomination. She earned the win. It's fine. I get it. People really like Stephanie Hsu, and if it were my choice, I would have gone with Stephanie Hsu. People also insist Angela Bassett was a really good part in a movie she was barely in, but that and but I'm not here to judge. The thing is, like, I was expecting it to go to Angela Bassett. I was too, because she was kind of sweeping for again for a part she was not in much of the movie for. Listen, here's the thing: Angela Bassett was nominated for the same reason that Jamie Lee Curtis was, which is that it was a nomination of legacy and respect i guess it was a thing that said oh angela bassett is one of our best living actresses and everybody loved her performance in this and it was kind of a big deal because it was black panther without chadwick boseman 
let's nominate Angela Bassett. And Jamie Lee Curtis was a situation where it was like, oh, wow, hey, you're Jamie Lee Curtis. You're actually like one of the most beloved um, and influential actresses of the last like 45 years. And you've never actually been nominated. We should fix that. Like, that's what that was. And the other thing about it, the reason she won, and this is how I knew, I knew in my bones Jamie Lee Curtis was going to win. And I knew because it was a combination of the legacy win and the fact that, okay, and then you get all these people being like, oh, what if it was the legacy win? It should have gone to Angela Bassett. And I'm like, Angela Bassett is going to make another movie that's going to get nominated for awards. Jamie Lee Curtis still loves her genre fair. She likes her comedies and she likes her horror movies and that's mainly what she does and that's mainly what she's always done. Um, yeah, and you know, the thing is, I saw I saw people on Twitter giving Angela Bassett shit for not immediately clapping for Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, that's and just, Let the lady process it for a second. It, 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 that's, that's racism and policing of a black yep. woman. But okay. no, if, if any of the other actresses had done that, nobody would be saying shit. One hundred percent. Um, it's just like that. That's just motivated by unconscious. I think a largely unconscious racism. I think it's one of those things that even people who fancy themselves not racist, like yeah, like subconsciously, it's even white white liberal racism. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but like, like that's what this. That's what all of this is. And there's people who are out here going, what has Jamie Lee Curtis seriously ever done? Which, first of all, this shows also a collective, like, I don't know, like, lack of under- like knowledge about Jamie Lee Curtis's career. Because, and I, I have the evidence for this just in the fact that I said casually, this was to my dad, oh, this is the first time Jamie Lee Curtis ever got nominated for an Oscar. And he was like, she wasn't nominated for A Fish Called Wanda? Because Jamie Lee Curtis not being nominated for A Fish Called Wanda for Best Lead Actress was, like, a huge deal in 1990. Yeah, it was that's, yeah, a huge snub. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree that it was a snub I because she was phenomenal in that movie. Yeah. And, like, and I'm not mad at people for not remembering that, younger people for not knowing that. Like, that's fine but this notion that jamie lee curtis has never had awards buzz before or that she's never done anything important or never been snubbed by the academy it's so ridiculous i saw someone else say that was that's like she what what does she have like i literally i saw and this is a creator on tiktok i actually normally really really love but she referred to like what's jamie lee curtis done like that's so groundbreaking she's like freaky friday Halloween 2, and it's like, first of all, I need you to check yourself here. You're defending Angela Bassett, who was nominated for fucking Black Panther 2. I'm trying to undermine the goodness or importance of the Black Panther movies at all, or the social significance of them at all, but if you're going to stand here and and deride the um, influence of Halloween... I need you to be serious. You can stop Um, right there. Exactly. Stop right there. Um, and it was driving me up the wall. That's supposed to be because I'm like Laurie Strode as a character. Like that's the definition of a groundbreaking performance. Oh, absolutely, I agree. That was the blueprint. That was the blueprint for the most important character archetype, female character archetype of the 20th uh, century in film. That was the, or the second half at least, that was the blueprint 
Yeah, and you know the thing is, like I saw, I saw a lot of those people saying, like, well, she was only cast in that role because her mom was in Psycho. Like, the thing is, like, Epo, the thing, the thing I just genuinely can't stand is just the fact that people are acting like. Jamie Lee Curtis did not do a good job in everything everywhere to promote this idea that she didn't deserve the award. I think that's bullshit. I think she did. I think she did very well. I think her win was well earned. If it was up to me, it would have gone to Stephanie Shu. But let's not suddenly create this revisionist idea that Jamie Lee Curtis did a bad job in this movie. Come on. And let's use the notion that she's a bad actress in general, which is obvious bullshit. I'm sorry. I kind of, and not because I'm against conversations around Nepo babies, but there is a point at, there's a degree to this conversation that has gotten ridiculous. Oh, Jamie, this, this Academy Award for Jamie Lee Curtis is because she's a Nepo baby. That's what you're saying to me. Wow. Only took 50 fucking years of professional acting. Yeah. yeah, she's been an actress for 50 fucking years. Exactly. Jamie, shut the fuck. And it's so frustrating. Something I keep saying to people, and, like, they're not getting it. They keep walking into the trap. I'm, I keep, but people people keep being like, oh, she's only famous because she's a Nepo baby. I'm like, okay, do you know who Kelly Curtis is? Yeah, exactly. Just- yeah, the fuck you don't. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's sister, who has, who is also a professional actress, and had all the same opened doors and connections as her sister, and guess which one of them is famous. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, this is the thing about the Nepo baby conversation that gets frustrating for me at times, is like, yes, that makes getting a career in the arts like this and getting famous much, much easier. It opens doors for you. It puts you in rooms. It gives you connections. And that's like 60% of the battle in this industry. But it's not 100%. You can be standing in the room all you like if you're not good and if you're not trying. Especially back in the day. It's a little different now. Nowadays, when Nepo babies don't actually have to do anything, they can, in fact, just be Instagram influencers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. True. Uh, uh-huh. So I feel like huge perception. But, like, especially in Jamie Lee Curtis's day, yeah, her mom being um, a prof- already being super famous for sure helped her out. Of course it did. But that wasn't enough to, like, make Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis. She had to go out there and be good at it. Yeah. Uh, And she's still here. The point is, the point is, it's okay to be disappointed in this win, not okay to give shit to Curtis over it. Like, (laughs) So let's go to the other winners. Uh, Supporting actor, Ki Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere. Well deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved. This is a Another category where two actors were nominated from the same movie, and this time it was Banshees of Any Sharon. Uh, Brendan Gleeson and Barry Cogan, or however his last name is pronounced. Well, they were both very good in the movie. Yes, they were. They are. Banshees is great. I said anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. That's another movie that made me cry. Um, but I, I don't, I don't get why studios are doing this thing where they're nominating more than one actor for the same category. I don't because they have the best. chance of winning. Yeah. Yeah, more more often than not it ends up splitting the votes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh okay, so that's yeah, supporting actor Ki Hui Kwan, very well deserved. Uh actress Michelle Yeoh, everything everywhere. Very fucking well deserved. Yeah, well deserved. Love that bits and pieces. 
Oh, sorry, real quick. I need to correct a record on something. Mm-hmm. What? Because I've seen this circulating around before she won, but people were talking about that Michelle Yeoh was the first uh, or was the second Asian actress ever nominated. Um. Uh, that's not true. Yeah, that, like that doesn't sound right. It's not true. I saw that and I was like, that doesn't make like I, I was shocked. I was like, that can't like she's and then she's the first one who's ever won. But I was reading this and I'm like that's that that can't be right. Jennifer Silly is Chinese, and I think a lot of people yeah, don't Chinese know this. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Jennifer Tilly is is a is is Asian. Yeah. <laughs> is Chinese. I don't know why so many people. She looks Chinese. <laughs> Am I incorrect about this? You're not. You're not incorrect. No. Alright. Anyway, uh, Sorry, was, I, was she nominated for actress or supporting actress? I thought it was lead actress, but maybe that's why I'm 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 confused. Maybe it was supporting and I'm remembering wrong. Anyway, uh actor Brendan Fraser for the whale, well deserved. Well deserved. Uh best director, of course, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for everything everywhere all at once. And of course that brings us to best picture, Morbius. I mean everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> Morbius weep. Morbius. <laughs> and on that note in your Morbius you week, I, I need to duck out, unfortunately, guys, so I'll leave the rest of this to you. We can right. handle it. Thanks, Jazzy. Alright, y'all have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, now that, now that she's gone, we can... No. Sorry. My brain... My brain, like, glossed over. Brendan Fraser won Best Actor. I love that for him so very dearly, deeply in my heart. You know, I wasn't sure if I was ever actually going to see The Whale or not, but I, I did, and I'm very glad I did because I actually think it's a very good movie, um, and I think watching Brendan's performance, uh, yeah, no question, like, he was he it, was the winner. Yeah, when you watch the movie, like, you can understand why, like, it's getting complaints about being problematic, like, they're completely valid, I get it. I see... I see a lot of different perspectives on this, and I am not going to shut out any voice that has either like not positivity or dissension. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, not the least of which is that, like, I keep hearing, like, they should have cast, like, an obese person to be in the role. Which, again, like, that's, that's, that's valid. Uh, generally, I, I agree. Um, I think people are, are missing the fact that Brandon Fraser is himself um, a, a plus size, a, a rather plus size person. Yeah. Yes, put him in prosthetics and a fat suit to make him bigger. But like, there's not a lot of working actors bigger than Brandon Fraser is at the moment, and he's lost some weight since he was cast um, up into the uh, Academy Awards. He had definitely lost some weight, um, but I don't. I think that this was. I think the more pressing concern is um, the everything else about the movie, like the portrayal of someone who is overweight, like which is complicated. I've heard a lot of mixed and co- like a lot of mixed things about it, 
and I am not going to stake a claim on it one way or the other, but Brendan Fraser himself gave a, 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 a wonderful performance. I hope that this leads to a continuation of a renaissance for his career. His performance made me cry in that movie. Renaissance, <laughs> as I like to call it. Renaissance, yes. But, yeah, like, we can acknowledge that the movie is very well made and very well acted, while at the same time acknowledging that it does enforce stereotypes of uh, plus-sized people. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, are are you, are you also happy with, uh, everything everywhere winning at all? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, you know, I, I, I had thought that there was a small chance that, uh, Spielberg could have gotten it for a director. Um, if it wasn't going to be Dan- the Daniels, it was going to be Spielberg for the Fablemans because I adored the Fablemans and I am kind of sad that it went home empty. Yeah. I am, I am kind of sad that Spielberg's, uh, you know, his most personal, like directly personal film didn't get any recognition. I'm not saying that he doesn't, you know, he needs it or anything. He's going to be well, Spielberg. It's fine. He did, but... he did get a Golden Globe for it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. Thing. Yeah. I just. I'm hoping that Steven Spielberg gets another Academy Award before we lose him. Yeah. Not that I'm gonna, not that we're going to do that anytime soon, but he's getting, he's getting up there. And he might retire at some point soon. I don't think this is his last film. I think he said as much that it's not. Um, but I no. just... No. Steven Spielberg is our greatest living film director in the world. I don't think that that's a particularly controversial statement. No, he, he's... Oh, you he should... I don't, if you, if you haven't not, already done it, you should listen not, to his interview with, uh, with uh, Colbert uh, that he did on, on his show. Um, really fascinating stuff. Just, oh, uh, too, yeah. I could, I could listen to the man talk for a lot longer. <laughs> and he also, you know, he has the, he has the, the knowledge and the talent of someone who's been in filmmaking as long as he has, but like, he's got like the, the vibe of someone who just feels down to earth. That's what I get, you know? Like, who's still very much in touch with understanding New directions in filmmaking, understanding the craft, and being kind to up and comers, which I think is pretty awesome. Have you heard that story from Rachel um, Zegler, who was um, Maria in West Side Story, um, about how when she when he cast her, um, she asked him for permission to still be Fiona in her high school production of Shrek. Oh what? <laughs> she was in school when he cast her for West Story, and she had a prior commitment to be Fiona in their senior year production of Shrek. And so when he cast her, she asked, "Will this can I still do this?" And his response was, "Oh, well, I produced the, I produced the original movie. Of course, you can do it." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I, yeah, I just wanted to share. 
She probably made a great Fiona. I don't remember which talk show it was she told that story on, but it's it's very it was very cute. That is adorable. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Daniels winning though feels like a like a weird underdog win, but like it also was something that was gaining momentum. You know, like like the people who made the turn down for what music video are Oscar winners. <laughs> Kind of amazing. Beautiful. <laughs> well, that's how it should be, right? <laughs> Celebrating the most unique and talented, you know, I agree. in the cast. Chris, too excited for like two years from now when we're going to be talking about Academy Award Best Director Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, like that—that that is a day. You know, maybe actually happen in the future. <laughs> It could. I it have could. so much faith in her. I, I have, have faith in her. I have so much faith. I really do. Probably, maybe even more than I should. But there is something deep in my soul telling me that she's gonna make that this movie that like she's gonna make something amazing. I I, I genuinely really hope that's the case. I want it so badly because it's gonna make so, also because it's gonna make so many people so angry if it's if it's dead at first of all first of all I will not lie I'm gonna make that super clear here if the movie is terrible I will be vocal about it and I will be so upset that I need to be um, <laughs> I don't because the other movies are gonna defend it with their lives no matter what. Um, but it will be so if it's a great movie, if she makes something amazing, that's gonna make people so mad and it will be so funny. I I'm I'm with you. If she makes something great, people are gonna be mad regardless. Are you telling me the person who made Shake It Off? Oh god. <laughs> It made a song called Vigilante Shit, yeah. Crystal, have you seen the video of the live, the first ever live performance of Vigilante Shit last night? You sent, I think you sent me, either either you sent me or you retweeted it, because <laughs> either way I did see it, yeah. Yay. Um, everything you've been sending me has been... <laughs> I'm gay. I'm, I'm gay, I'm gay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at a picture. Re- remember, I'm gay, and then go. God damn it! Uh, poor Ash just sitting here being like, "Oh, they're on their bullshit." <laughs> Taylor bullshit again. We're just excited I'm because of the concert. Podcast. Huh? Too many times to count. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she broke last night. She broke. Um, she broke the record for the most attendees at um, a, a female-fronted uh, concert. Yeah, I saw that. God damn. That was record. And the show's like, what, three hours and like 12 minutes or something? Yeah, hours long. She did 45 songs. Hey, aren't you guys going to see her sometime? Yes. Yeah, not till August. Unfortunately, our show is way at the end of the tour, but yes. Hmm. In LA. Eras? Eras. Yep. Eras tour. It's very exciting. 
Also, I'm going through your Twitter account, Lizzie, and I just realized that, and it said Amber Freeman killed everyone in Scream 5. I just realized that. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) And that's so funny. I love that. I love that detail so much. Like, that's Holy shit. Because Richie is a dweeby inside little fuckboy. Yeah, and you said, I'm sure he's seething about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he is. Speaking of, slightly speaking of Scream, um, we did see it. And I think this is not the best time to do a spoiler discussion, because it's still so fresh. Yes. Well, all three of us us have seen it, right? Right, but I'm just saying for the podcast, it might be a little too fresh to do a a spoiler discussion on it. I will um, say, I will say something that happens in the movie without spoiling it, but the ghost face reveal was a tiny bit underwhelming. It was because for me, I, I, I'll message you guys what specifically it was, but I figured it out. Oh, I figured it out too. Really quickly. Oh, but <laughs> I, was, like, yeah. I want to know what you figured out. I will. I'll send you a message when I knew, when I immediately, when I had my first suspicion and when I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was them. It was them. Um, I, okay. But, but we can be, we can, we can say on this podcast that all three of us really liked it. Yes. Yeah. I liked Uh, it a lot. Um, I thought it was really, really good. I had a lot of fun. This is the bloodiest uh, movie in the franchise to date, for sure. Oh, yeah. A good time. Um, my ex-boyfriend texted me before I had seen it, straight up just to be like, hey, you're in this movie. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, I'm just letting you know you're in the movie. And I'm like, okay. And I went to watch it. And uh, Samara Weaving. Uh, character comes on screen and is oh. <laughs> an adjunct film professor who specializes in 20th century slashers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she goes on this whole thing where she's talking about how she loves, like, this is her field of study because she thinks that it's so fascinating the way that um, horror movies and especially slashers um, reflect <laughs> reflect the politics and of the and uh, socio socio political landscape at the time, and I was like, I just shut the fuck up. So yeah, that's you. <laughs> that sound like you. <laughs> okay, so I will say that I still think five is my favorite of the sequels. I actually prefer six, weirdly enough. You prefer six? Yeah. Sit on it. I cannot. I cannot make an assem- an asset, and I can't. I can't. I I need to sit. I need to see it a second but time. But I'm like. Not like by like a large margin, I'll say. Like I still really like five, you know. So okay, so for me, the order goes like from best to worst: one, five, six, four, two, three. I need to think on it because I have a letterbox ranking set up, but I want to place it properly and make a tweet about it, so I'm not quite at the moment to, to rank it, but... I... Okay. So, like I said, I don't like... At the moment, I feel like I like six more than five, but that could just be because six is new and exciting. 
you know? Like I said, I want to see it one more time. I want to sit on it. I want to see how it, how it, how it comes into me, for me on a, on a, on a rewatch. But at the moment, right here, I think that my ranking is, um, one, four, six, two, five, three. Yeah. And I feel bad having five low like that. But five was always under two, and four is always going to be my second favorite. So. Well, four had my favorite ghost face reveal, besides the first one, of course. Oh, four is so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, four years of classes, and you notice me now? Well, that, okay, well, that was the assistant, but. No, the but it's so, so good. It's so good. Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven said, oh, you know what's actually really annoying? Those fucking dweeby-ass nice guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, right before. They had that in this movie, and that it was right before the, like, widespread cultural backlash to the, to the quote-unquote nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And not to mention that the, the main killer uh, was doing it for attention and for clicks online. Social so. media clout. Yeah. And it, so, they were ahead of their time. <laughs> It was so on the pulse. This is what, this is what made the Scream movie. And it's the same reason actually, thematically, something I really, I took away and just absolutely loved about Six. And it's, it's, it's the smart shit that makes these movies good. That people overlook in favor of talking about like the, the, the specifically the pop culture and the, and the horror movie like trope. Meta-ness, people overlook the like really, actually really, really, really smart social commentary in these movies. Which is, in this one, coming out of the, the, we're presently socially at the crest of the Me Too backlash. Yeah. We are in a state of time where people are lashing back at the Me Too movement. Um, women are getting called liars again. Um, it's getting more and more socially acceptable to like, once again, to reaccept um, abusive white men into the folds and um, this thing where I won't name any specific names of people, but, you know, we're doing this thing where um, we have this mass cultural hate movement of insisting that a woman who claims to be a victim of domestic abuse is actually a liar um, who orchestrated this whole thing to um, um, frame the poor, innocent, misogynistic white man. Um, yep. Uh, Jenna, I won't name any specific events or names because <laughs> I don't feel like arguing with people about anything. Um, but it's, so, but that you know, that is the that's the cultural moment we're at right now, and the main driving thrust of Sam's. And I don't think this is a spoiler, but I guess just in case. The, the main thriving, uh, uh, the main driving thrust of Sam's character conflict in this movie is the fact that everyone thinks there's a big conspiracy online that Sam is lying, that she committed the murders and she orchestrated this whole thing and framed Richie. And uh, I find that so interesting. Yes, I agree. <laughs> in this climate we're in. Thank God you're alive, because I really, really wanted to be the one to kill you. (laughs) (gasps) I knew it. Here's the thing about five for me with Richie is the moment, the moment Jack Quaid was announced, I looked at that and was like, oh, he better be Ghostface. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's so good, by the way. What? Oh, he's he's so good. Jack he, Quaid is so good. I said it out loud. I said to myself, I was like, oh, he's gonna. I know he's gonna be, and it, and it's obvious, and I don't care because he's gonna do a good job, and he did. He did, and I even me, me, I went in knowing. I was like, it's gonna be him. It's gonna be him. It's gonna be him. The only thing that keeps you from, from that, that, like, you get convinced, you get, like, you convince yourself, it's like, but it's not. Can't be. But of course it is. <laughs> and then he says it, and he's like, oh, it's just the boyfriend. Of course it was. <laughs> Never trust the love interest. Never trust the love interest. And it's like, oh! And Dewey called it, by the way. I was talking with Lizzie about this earlier. There, there was a scene where Amber and Mindy, I love Mindy, by the way. We all love Mindy. Love they, Mindy. they go into the basement, and <laughs> Mindy startles Amber, and Amber yeah. makes, like, a stabbing motion to her face, which is a brilliant bit of foreshadowing. Like, that was, like, her reaction to getting startled. Like, ah, stabbing motion to the face. And then later she's like, oh, what, how do you know I'm not the killer? And then Mindy comes in close and says, because I am. Because Mindy is the smart, was the smartest fucking person in that movie except for Sydney. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I mean Mindy, she's related to Randy, so like. Oh, yeah, obviously. Like, <laughs> they, they had to, that, that, that. That family milieu collection uh, connection makes a lot of sense. But just you have to think about like if she wasn't being witty in that moment, she probably would have died. Because that saying "because I am" caught her off guard, and Amber's just like, "Wait, what the fuck?" And then Mindy just left, and it was and that that you're, I know I agree with you completely. That that move on Mindy's part probably saved your life. <laughs> I love Mindy so much. Me too. Okay, and also, no, so obviously no spoilers, but when Mindy and Kirby have their little scene together. It's great. It's great. I loved it. Um, yes. Another great detail. So as everyone knows, Sydney is not in this movie, in the new one. Um, that was not as much of a problem for me as I thought it would be going in. I'm happy to report. Um. No spoilers on that, but yeah, yeah. No spoilers on that, but I'm happy. I'm happy to report that it did not upset me. Um, but there's this great, wonderful. There's this. There's a wonderful scene between Gail and Sam that incorporated Dewey's theme, and that made me cry. Oh, I didn't. I did recognize that. Yeah. Um, and I've come to realize that um, not everybody just recognizes when Dewey's theme is there on the drop of a dime. I do because it's my favorite theme in the. <laughs> In the series, um, but it, it it just kicked in and I started I like started crying. It wasn't even a sad scene or like an upsetting scene at all. It was a very sweet, wholesome conversation. But Dewey's scene came in and I was like, because ah, ah. everyone loves Dewey. <laughs> so I I think I think with our our mutual love of we have a lot to talk about this week. We should like. Divide some of this uh, conversation into the f- the future episodes, and have a fully dedicated section on Scream Six, like a spoiler okay. proper. Have a little bit more space so that more people have had more time to see it. We'll have a good, we'll have a solid spoiler spoiler talk. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it for people because it's just the second weekend. So, um, mm-hmm. but um, 
especially this episode was much more about Titanic and all that. So, <laughs> uh, but I think, I think with that point, I think that wraps up another episode of, of our show. Uh, do you want to plug where people can find you? Um, uh, oh, wait, you go first, Lizzie. You, go okay. first. you can follow me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter or the final horror on TikTok where I talk about all this same shit. Right now, it's going to be a lot, and I, I, I promise it in the long run is probably temporary, um, but right now it is a lot of Taylor Swift <laughs> because she wore, like, 10 different outfits, 12 different outfits last night, and I am gay. Me too. <laughs> I'm gay. <laughs> uh, Ashley? Uh, you can follow me at Ashley Groovy on Twitter. And Ashy Slashy on Letterboxd. Crystal. You can follow me at Twitter at Crystal W Rex. Uh, you can also find my Medium account where I write articles every once in a while. And you can also find my Linktree account, uh, or link in my, uh, bio on Twitter. Uh, and you can find all the places where you can do things, or you can send me money if you like. That's all good. And, uh, follow us the Gallows of Geekdom podcast on TikTok. I'll be posting more videos and trying to be more engaging in that regard. Um, and with that being said, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast, a war Oscar award winning show for women talking. Uh, <laughs> we have an award for women talking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we love you all. Please, uh, Please uh, join us again for the next episode. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.